We're in a sermon series called Design for a Purpose, and with respect to that one key verse for the entire series is this one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul begins this verse by emphasizing our unity. Now all of you together are Christ's body. I mean, what a privilege it is for you and I because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to be connected together in the greatest living organism that the world has ever seen, the Church of Jesus Christ. Having emphasized our unity though, Paul goes on to emphasize our diversity and each one of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Has it ever hit you that you are needed, wanted, and are necessary for the overall health and fitness and ministry of City Church? You are needed and you are necessary. That's Paul's word here, right? You are a necessary part of this local expression of the universal body of Christ. So as we think of the body, different parts, different functions, the question is, what's yours? What's your role? What's your function? Well, what we're learning in the sermon series would drive us to this conclusion that our primary area of service, that is to say our function in the body, what God wants us to do is determined by our design. Now, this word design, probably by now, if you've been here, you know that this is an acronym. But uh, if we keep on repeating this enough, by the end of the series, you'll, you'll know this. And I can just call on you and you can tell me what a letter represents. But here they are. The D stands for desires. Those are your interests, your passions. Talked about that a few weeks ago. Then your life experiences also impact how you do things, your job, your ministry. And uh, we talked about that last week. Today we're talking about skills and then your individuality. That's your temperament, your personality, which impacts you and shapes your life. And then your gifts, your spiritual gifts. You figure out those five areas and you will be able to determine what your career ought to be and what your ministry ought to be. You find your end, your niche. So today we come to the uh, third of these five factors, how God has given you skills that help define your function in the body. So what's a skill? Well, here's my uh, homemade definition of a skill. Skills are natural or developed talents and abilities. Natural and developed talents and abilities. Now we have an example in the Bible of somebody who was given skills by God to function in the establishment of a tent-like structure called the tabernacle which became the center of all religious and worship life for the nation of Israel. This is what it says in Exodus 31. Lord said to Moses, look, I have chosen Bezalel, I guess. You're not gonna know if it's right or wrong, right? (laughs) Son of Uri, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the spirit of God giving him great wisdom, intelligence, and skill in all kinds of crafts. And because God has given him skills, it goes on to say, he's able to create beautiful objects from gold, silver, and bronze so he can work with metals. He is skilled in cutting and setting gemstones and in carving woods. So it says, yes, he's a master at every craft. Well, guess what? 
God has also given you skills to honor him and benefit others. And so if we're going to be able to understand this, how it impacts our careers, how it impacts our ministry choices and decisions, then there are some areas that we need to explore that are listed there in your sermon notes, your outline. First of all, I want us today to consider four facts about skills. So here's the first of the four. Every skill is God-given. Every skill is God-given. Romans 12, 6. God has given each of us the ability or the skill to do certain things well. I don't think we emphasize skills nearly enough these days. Some people imply that spiritual gifts, which we're going to talk about in a few weeks, are far more important than skills. I don't really think so. I mean, if you're a Christ follower, there really isn't much of a difference between skills and gifts because they all come from God. Now, sometimes Christians imply, if you're really committed, you can do anything you want to do. Uh, no, you can't. I can be really committed. I'll never play a guitar like Devin or work in the sound booth with the skills that our team has back there. You don't want me, want me back there pushing those buttons, believe me. So all kinds of skills. One of my favorite statements regarding this matter of skills was made by Martin Luther. Now, if you're aware of his time back in the uh, 1500s, people were essentially taught and believed the only people who really knew how to serve God were priests and nuns. So anything else, you're a plumber, you know, whatever you do for a, a living, uh, that's nothing compared to being a priest or a nun. Unfortunately, today, there's still some people who think, wow, you're really close to God and special with a high calling if you're a pastor or you're a missionary. Has it ever dawned on you that whatever you do is a calling as well? And so Luther would say to farmers, God milks the cows through you. Now, can you imagine getting a hold of that statement and applying it to your own career? Now, I don't think there are too many farmers here this morning, uh, as we're in an urban environment here in Minneapolis area, but what would it be for you? Maybe you could say, you know, or somebody could say to you, God sells products for you if you're in sales, or God repairs computers through you if that's your function. So these are all God-given Ability. So that's the first fact. Fact number two, every skill can be used for God's glory. So if God has given you a skill, you can use it for his glory. In fact, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, now maybe you're in graphic design work, maybe uh, you're in sales or writing, or you flip burgers at McDonald's, you know, whatever it is you do, Paul says, do it all for the glory of God. Now, researchers have indicated that the average person has somewhere between 500 and 700 skills. Each can be used for the glory of God. You can repair cars to the glory of God. You can balance financial statements to the glory of God. You can uh, make a meal or manage an office or make a sale, play hockey. Or you can be on the city church basketball team that yesterday won the league championship. Yeah. I mean, you can do all, <laughs> you can do all kinds of things uh, to the glory of God. In fact, look at this verse in Deuteronomy 8.18. 
Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Well, that's another skill that God has given to some people, the ability to produce wealth. And you're probably wondering right now why he didn't give that to you. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question, but he does want you to use whatever skills you have received to honor him by serving others. Now, you may be wondering, uh, exactly how do I do that? Rich, I'm in sales, or I'm a project manager, I'm in engineering, so how do, how do I use my ability to close a sale, or to, for that matter, uh, you know, plan a project for the glory of God? How do I do that? Well, in four ways. Number one, you recognize where that ability comes from. And you say, Lord, you give me the ability to close the sale. Lord, you give me the ability as this engineer on this project to, to deal with that. So you recognize that God gave you that skill. Secondly, you bring glory to God when you act <clears throat> ethically and morally. So for example, you don't lie about delivery dates. Oh, you need our product first thing tomorrow morning? No problem, and you know there's no way they're gonna get it at that point. Or uh, being deceitful when it comes to what your product is capable of doing compared to the competition. You don't lie when it comes to matters of turning in your expense report where you use bogus receipts. No, you're a person marked by integrity. So you honor God when you function ethically and morally. Thirdly, you also bring glory to God in your business, your career, by providing a legitimate service or product that people actually need. So that brings glory to him. And number four, you bring glory to God when you give back to him the first 10% of your profit, of your salary, your income. Now the Bible's word for that is tithe. It's a Hebrew word, tithe, and it means 10%. The only time that Jesus talked about tithing, he commended it. All the other examples that we have in the New Testament letters, for example, of, of giving, are over and above the tithe. We should consider that special offerings. So uh, God's desire is, if you're a Christ follower, you seek to comply by giving 10%. And I believe the Bible teaches what's known as storehouse giving, where you give your 10%, your tithe, to the local church. Anything above that would be an offering. So Valerie and I are so committed to City Church, we're tithing our income to this church, but we have other interests, like you heard today about Ukraine. We've been there for 29 straight years. Our hearts are broken. We care deeply about what's going on there, so we want to support that ministry, but that's that's over and above. If you're not yet there, you can't because of crises in your life, because you've overextended yourself in terms of credit card use or whatever, what would be a goal? Maybe it's 1% this year and 2 or 3% next year. So you seek to, to build on that. Now, God made some of you, perhaps, very successful in your business. Would you like to know why? I don't know all the reasons, but I can give you one, and that is certainly to provide major funding for the kingdom of God. Maybe you can give much more than 10% to support his work and offerings on, on top of even that. So every skill is God-given. Every skill can be used for God's glory. Thirdly, my skills help me to understand God's plan for my life. 
So when it comes to this whole matter of choosing or planning a career, you know, how do you know what to do? Our government produces a document called DOT. It stands for Dictionary of Occupational Terms. It's like this thick. You open it up and you read through all of these career options and you're totally overwhelmed. And you're left asking the question, what in the world does God want me to do with my life? Well, we read in Hebrews 13:21, may the God of peace equip you with all you need for doing his will. So God has a will or a plan for your life. Among other things, it includes using your various skills that he's entrusted to you. So God isn't asking you to do something that you can't do. He's not asking me to play the guitar next Sunday morning in a worship service, all right? I mean, that's just not gonna happen. But he is asking you to do what he's gifted you to do. So let's say you have 650 skills. It's unlikely that your career choice, whatever that is, is gonna require all 650 skills. So you discover God's will for your life by considering what he's gifted you to do, your skills, and by considering at the same time what you're passionate about. So here what you're doing is connecting your skills with what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, your desires. So let's just say you're skilled at organizing things. You just love structure and you thoroughly enjoy coming into a messed up organization and helping them to figure everything out. Okay, well, that might help you to determine what God wants you to do, or you're good at graphic design stuff, and that might help you, and you love it. So maybe that determines what God wants you to do. So a good indicator is you're joining together your passions, your desires, but also this matter of your skills. Now let's go deeper with this. There's a book entitled The C-Zone, that's the letter C, C-Zone, Peak Performance Under Pressure, that mentions that we tend to operate in any given point in a day in one of three performance zones. So let's say over here at the far end of the one spectrum, you've got the panic zone. That's where you show up Monday morning and your boss says, in two hours from now, I'm expecting a certain project to be on my desk and you freak out you know it causes you to go into a panic state you're just you know you're over your head all right that's the panic zone at the other far end the other end of things is the drone zone that's where you can do something so easily you're bored to tears okay no excitement no joy whatsoever it's, Okay, that's the drone. All right, between the, these two, the panic zone and the drone zone is this letter C zone, which stands for challenge. The challenge zone or the competence commitment zone, where you're not stressed out because you thoroughly enjoy doing it. Okay, so it's a good blend of your skill, but also at the same time, your desires. Now, ideally, your career allows you to function most of the time in the C-zone. If right now your job is just that, you know, just a job, gives you a paycheck. You don't really like it, but you're stuck for now. Okay, if you really can't make a change in your career choice or your location, 
What you can do is to try to make sure your ministry choice is a good reflection that allows you to function in the C zone. So my skills help me to understand God's plan for my life. Number four or D on your outline, I am responsible to use my skills for God's glory. In fact, the Bible would suggest to us if we don't, God has the right, not that he's necessarily gonna do this, but he would certainly have the right to take them back. They're sort of like tax deductions. You know, if you don't use it, you lose it. So the Bible says with respect to a sum of money, when you hear the word talent here, it's talking about not a, an ability, but a sum of money. Take the talent from him who didn't use it and give it to the one who has 10 talents. So it's a universal law. If I don't use something, I may lose it. If I don't exercise, I lose physical strength. If you're skilled in playing a certain musical instrument and you don't practice, you might lose you know, that skill or talent. If I am not exercising my brain, you know, it can get dull. All right. Well, the same applies to this matter of skills. So God wants us to use the skills he's entrusted to us. So those are some facts about skills. All right, that leads us then to another area that we need to explore. How do we go about using our skills for God's glory and the good of others? I wanna share with you now four action steps. First of all, take time. And this is not something you're gonna figure out in five minutes. But take time prayerfully to discover and identify your skills. Now look at this uh, verse from Romans 12 from the, a paraphrase uh, version by J.B. Phillips. Verse three, try to have a sane estimate of your capabilities by the light of the faith that God has given to you. Well, to help you to make a sane estimate of your capabilities, we are giving you a personal exercise to do. Consider it homework, yeah. So we gave you an exercise for desires and experiences, and now we offer one on skills. So if you prefer a hard copy of the exercise, you can pick one up out on the table. It's in the lobby after the service today, or you can go to our website and in the menu bar at the top, hit resources, drop down menu, first item, design, click on that. It will immediately take you to the uh, exercise on skills. So there you will find a listing of all kinds of skills. And we're asking you, first of all, to mark those that you think you have, but then to ask yourself three questions with respect to each of the skills you've identified as being yours. Do I love it? Do I just like it? Or can I live without it? So the first question, do I love it, is really bringing, again, together your skill with your desires, what you enjoy doing and functioning. So do you, do you love it? Yes, yes, you can do word processing. Yes, you can teach kids. But do you love it? If you love it, you can't imagine life without it. You're just energized when you engage in that particular activity. So you ask, do I love it? Or the next question is, do I just like it? Well, you may enjoy certain activities, you know, like coaching. Maybe you like to coach the little kids, you know, as they're playing a game. That's fun, but it's not like your passion, okay? You just like it. 
Or you ask, can I live without it? Well, with those, you are either in the panic zone or the drone zone, if you can live without it, okay? So you ask yourself those questions. Now, to illustrate this, let's meet three people, shall we? Here they are in this next slide, this, uh, this picture of, uh, we have Harry, Tanya, and Ralph. Now, look at Harry. What's his passion, his desire? Well, he just loves working with children in difficult life situations. One of the many skills that Harry enjoys is cooking. So what could Harry do? Well, he could prepare meals for a kid's program. Tanya, on the other hand, wants to work with senior adults. One of her enjoyable skills is bus driving. So uh, she can provide transportation for the seniors. On the other hand, Ralph wants to work with adults, not just adults in general, but those dealing with cancer. And he can put together services of worship. He's got a great voice and he can use his skills perhaps in that way. So first of all, you discover your skills. What has God given you the ability to do? Secondly, next action step, having discovered your skills, in ongoing ways, you dedicate them to the purposes of God. Now look at Romans 12.1. Because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. So you offer, you dedicate. Lord, I recognize you gave me this skill. It comes from you, and I'm willingly dedicating my skills to you. Why do you need to do that? Because if we don't, on a regular basis, surrendering our skills, what we're seeking to do for the purposes of God, very easily we can do things from the wrong motive. Let's say you have an organizational skill. Well, you can plan a rescue or a robbery, right? I mean, our, our skills can be used in ways that are very self-absorbed, serve ourselves or to serve others. You know, we can use them to manipulate people or to actually minister to them. So you wanna dedicate them as well. So you discover them, dedicate them. Thirdly, develop them. Proverbs 19.8, do yourself a favor, learn all you can, then remember what you learn and you will prosper. So skills require development, learn all you can. Get training, you know, practice, improve. So God has made an investment in your life and he wants a return on his investment. So he wants you to sharpen your skills. So if your skills are in the area of being an x-ray technician, you get ongoing training. You're seeking to be the best you can for the glory of God in that area. If you're an at-home mom, you know, you're seeking to improve your skills uh, in that area. Planning, you know, you just love to plan different kinds of things. All right, you develop that skills. So you're, you're also then um, seeking to do that. All right, number four, D, deploy them. Deploy your skills. I like this verse in 1 Peter 4.10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other. Let's apply this for, to four different areas of your life. What is the implication of using your skills for your, your career? Well, you know, there are some things you'll never be able to do very well. 
Okay, you don't function in terms of, of your employment in that area, obviously. If you can't really do something, you don't like to do it. Um, what you do is you wanna focus on your strengths. So if you're the, a business owner, you're a CEO, and you want to uh, grow your organization, your business, um, how do you go about doing that? Well, certainly one of many ways is to make sure that you're positioning people according to their strengths. So you're not trying to stuff you know, square pegs into round holes. If you find employees who are skilled and they have a passion or desire to do what they're being hired to do, you don't have to motivate them. They have a built-in motivation that God has given to them. They're just wired in such a way they thoroughly enjoy what they're doing, their contribution. So that's how it would play out in terms of your career. How about uh, the, the area of marriage? Well, contrary to certain schools of thought, when you read the Bible, you don't find a job description for husbands and wives based upon gender, okay? There's no Bible verse that says, for example, that husbands are responsible for all the outside stuff, you know, clearing the snow, lawn maintenance in the summer, repairing the car, uh, paying the bills, and the wife does all the internal stuff, cleaning the house, cooking the meals, changing the diapers, anything else that the husband doesn't want to do. No, no. So instead, roles are worked out and they are shared on the basis of three things, skills, training, availability. So for example, one area of marriage, payment of bills, right? Financial stuff. So let's say she's a CPA. Well, she might wanna take charge of that and give leadership to the marriage in terms of, of that area paying the bills and such, or because she does it for 40 hours every week, maybe she wants to train her husband to do that. That can be done. And maybe he's passionate about cooking. Well, neither one can use their skills just for themselves. So the wife who has the CPA background is concerned that her husband understands the financial stuff that's going on in the marriage. And, you know, he gets some say in all of this. And the husband who loves to do the cooking, he's not just preparing his favorite meals. He's doing things that, you know, her favorite meals, her um, food allergies, he's sensitive to those things, and her work schedule. Okay, how about when it comes to family life? Well, one of the concerns of parents certainly ought to be to help their children identify and develop the skills that God has given them not parent the skills that you want your child to have. I've been to enough basketball games this season watching my grandson play to realize that there are some parents who just force their kids to do things that they don't wanna do, and they're not necessarily skilled to do. So your goal is to help them discover the abilities that God has given to them. And in terms of ministry, same thing applies. The Bible says that if you're a believer, God wants you to offer your skills for the work of the kingdom of God, the advancement of his church. So, imagine a church where everybody, everybody is functioning in light of their skills and their passions and interests. Wouldn't that be an amazing church? 
You know what? City Church can be that church. So if you want a cause to get excited about, consider serving alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ in the greatest vital organism that the human race has ever experienced, the Church of Jesus Christ, okay? So in closing, let me just remind you that Jesus not only used his skills for us, he gave up his very life. And so it says in Mark 10, for even I, the Son of Man, came here not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus gave up his life for you, crucified for you, suffered the judgment of a holy God for you that you might know his complete forgiveness. So he's inviting you, urging you, if you've never done this before, to commit your life to him, become a Christ follower by receiving Jesus into your life, and then, of course, in ongoing ways, to dedicate your life to him. May God grant that that would be the case for each and every one of us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that Jesus came into our broken world, not to be served, but to serve by shedding his blood and giving up his very life as our substitute. And so, Lord, in response, may we hold nothing back from him. May we be willing to live for the one who died for us by using our desires and our, our experiences and skills, our gifts, all for the glory of God by our service to one another and even outside this church. We pray these things for the glory of your name through Jesus Christ. Amen.